This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, this past Sunday, we opened up our building for the first time in two and a half months. Man, it has been a long time. We didn't have Bible class or Sunday evening services. We will not be open for Wednesday night services. We're just going to do Monday morning worship only for the month of June. And we have guidelines in place for when you come in, you got to be wearing a mask while you're in the building. you got to use the hand sanitizer. We have gloves and masks for people who might need them. We take your temperature as well just to uh, ensure everything. We have uh, chairs taped off so that there's social distancing. And I was a little nervous about you know, how many people might show up. And uh, we, we generally have between 75 and 85 folks here Sunday morning. We had 16 this Sunday morning, which I was just excited to see them. And it was wonderful and was great to have things slowly true, but moving in a more normal direction. And, of course, we were hoping for this, and now we got the riots going on. And I'm not going to get into the rights or wrongs of what's this or what's that. There are facts out there that we can know, but... um, I think right now emotions are high, and I think a lot of folks are not willing uh, to have a discourse about this because they've a lot of folks. If you disagree with them, they're just going to be angry, and a lot of groups are taking advantage of this on both sides. Uh, so I just want to give a, a lesson about some similar to what I did on Sunday morning, not the same one, but similar about getting our minds, our hearts focused on what's most important in this life. There's a lot of distractions out there. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 11 to 25. And I want to I want to start with a um, with a story. And before I get into that, let me encourage you to go to our website www.nvcoc.net. If you scroll down a little bit, you have to scroll down quite a bit because we have the the live video stuff and links up there now. And below those things we have uh, the radio mic. You click on that, you'll get our all our previous programs and today's program as well. And we do have the links to our uh, online services, which we will continue. We're not going to stop the online services for the folks who cannot come in, especially those who are over 65 or, or feeling sick or, or, or nervous about coming to the building. So we still have those going. We encourage you to be part of that as well. And so we're going to be looking at you know, First uh, Peter 2, 11.25. Let me start with this story. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Tom, this is a part of the story, Tom had never gone deep sea fishing, this fella. And uh, once he was out there on the sea, he, he started to think it was the, well, the dumbest thing he'd ever done in his life. Who would have ever believed that seasickness could be as bad as what he went through? Uh, every pitch, every roll of the boat he wondered how he was going to survive the remaining two hours. He felt like it had already been two hours. It had only been ten minutes once they got out there onto the sea. 
About that time, one of the deckhands came up to him and said, Don't worry, young fella. Nobody ever died of seasickness. Poor Tom looked up and cried and said, Oh, please don't say that. It's the hope of dying that keeps me alive. <laughs> how many how many of us have experienced you know, car sickness, motion sickness of some type? I have. It's unpleasant. I don't think I had it as bad as this fella, Tom. It goes by many names. You know, you got motion sickness, travel sickness, air sickness, car sickness, sea sickness, even space sickness. It happens. And it happens when our eyes get focused on something that isn't moving while the vehicle we're riding in is moving. And it happens, it happens a lot. Uh, you know, I'm trying to read a book while I'm a passenger car. My eyes are, are focused on the book. The book's not moving, but the car is. My inner ear senses the motion of the vehicle. And so there's this conflict with what my eyes are sensing. It happens sometimes whenever I'm pulling into a parking spot or I'm, or I'm getting ready to pull out. Uh, and there's cars on either side of me. And I remember getting in the car or getting ready to get in that parking spot. And the cars I'm pulling in beside are not moving. And all of a sudden, the motion is faster than it ought to be. And I immediately am completely thrown off. I get real sick to my stomach because that car started moving. I didn't realize or, or, or some things like that. And so, you know, we get disoriented, right? Dizzy, nauseated. It, it's the difference between perception of what is not true and reality, what is true, that gives us motion sickness. And Peter tells us that we are travelers in this world. He says that we need to live our lives as strangers here, and that we are indeed aliens and strangers in the world there in 1 Peter 2.11. And as we travel through this world, we can get disoriented because we, we may perceive things to be true that aren't. And if there arises a conflict between our perception of what's true and the reality of what is true, then that conflict will make us uncomfortable and disoriented. And we'll end up with a form of spiritual motion sickness. For example, Peter implies that we can have this perception that life should be fair, but in reality, life is not fair. It just isn't. He tells us, that we will encounter unjust suffering, 1 Peter 2.19. And that in this world, we will suffer for doing good, 1 Peter 2.20. Now, that doesn't seem right. That's, that frustrates us because we're Christians. We serve the Most High God, the powerful creator of the universe. Our perception is that as Christians, we shouldn't be suffering. But the reality is, we will suffer. Jesus said in John 16, In the world you have tribulation. James tells us in the opening of his letter, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Peter agrees in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes up upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. And that's reality. We are going to suffer and face difficulties and persecution 
and hardship. And life will not be easy for us, even though, even though we are Christians. We don't belong here. We are not citizens of this world. We're just passing through. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? And if we don't understand that, we will suffer more. And we'll be disoriented. And we'll be uncomfortable and sick to our stomachs. That's the truth. But if that single truth is all you perceive, if all you believe is that you'll suffer in this world, nothing's ever going to go right. Then you'll end up uh, you know, becoming a, a cynic, a, a fatalist who will never succeed in your faith. I read a story about a, uh, well, this was about a Civil War reenactment where the South lost to the North. It's just a reenactment. And the men were taking part in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, were, that were taking part in this. They dressed up in the traditional Civil War garb, the wool uniforms. It, it was a, a hot, miserable day on top of that. A lot of things were not going right. Many of them were getting frustrated. And finally, one miserable rebel threw down his hat, walked away. And he was grumbling and complaining as he walked off and said, I quit. We're not going to win anyway. <laughs> Man, he was defeated. He was finished. He had accepted the idea that his role involved suffering and he wanted no part of it. So he simply walked away. He'd lost sight of the joy he once known in playing his part in a historical event. And that can happen to a lot of Christians. If all they see is the suffering they have to endure, if they sense that all life is is one long time of hardship and frustration, they can get defeated and discouraged and walk away. Sometimes they may continue to go to worship. But it's an empty exercise, and they lost all their joy. Their faith becomes shallow, and their relationship with God is, you know, grudging. How do you fix that? How do folks put the joy back into their faith? Well, let's go back to our opening illustration. How do you deal with motion sickness? One source I read says that the remedy is to simply look out the window, gaze towards the horizon in the direction you're traveling. In other words, in order to overcome the false perception of standing still, you need to fix your eyes on that which is real. Right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The teaching out of Scripture is that Jesus is the only thing that's going to help us deal with the difficulties of life. And that's what Peter is telling us here. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25 says this. <clears throat> for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return while suffering. He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, 
died to sin, and lived to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's been where you are. And he and, and, and fixing our eyes on him can help carry you, carry us, through the worst miseries of life. Corey Ten Boom wrote of an incident that took place at the prison camp she and her sister were held in in World War II. Every Friday, the Nazis made them completely undress for medical inspection. The women were made to march by the guards. It was terrible. They hated it. She knew it was coming. It comes every Friday. And as she was praying about it and thinking and trying to remember Scripture the best she could, she had a, an epiphany, a, re, a, a revelation, you could say, a, real, a realization as she thought about Jesus on that cross. And be, while he marched to the cross, you know, his garments were taken away. And in her, her perceptions, you know, the, the, the crosses that people would make with him on it, there's always a cloth over you know, covering him. That was out of respect. You know, most of those sources that I read do point out that the common and expected form of crucifixion by the Romans involved total nakedness. Total nakedness. How, how embarrassing. I mean, that's just, you know, rubbing salt in the wound. And she realized that he did, he did that, probably. More than likely, Jesus had a walk with no clothes on. Maybe he had them on. Maybe they took them off when he got there. But either way, he was up there naked. That encouraged her. If he went through that, if he did that for her, she can survive. And she fixed her eyes on Jesus. But too often, we Christians don't do that. We get caught up in the daily grind of life or when people mistreat us. Bills come due coronavirus, riots, whatever it might be, whatever the difficulties are, are happening, they be, become, we, we become dismayed, discouraged. Because for a while, for a while we're disoriented. And we try to think in terms of how we can fix the problem when we forget about Jesus. What happens? What happens is, what we, uh, is that we are faced with a situation we can't change, we can't fix, and you know what most folks do when that happens? At night, when they go to bed, they go back over that situation again and again. They toss, they turn all night, rehearsing the unfairness, the injustice of what they're facing, and they can't fix it. If, the sleep, if they sleep at all, it isn't much. Now, for those of us, uh, or for those of you who know me, you know, there's precious little that I'll let interrupt my sleep. It's a you know it's a precious commodity. I guard it jealously. I need it. And I long uh, long ago I learned the principle of how to face nights like that. I give it to God. If I'm stressed or if I've realized I'm, I'm having a hard time letting go, I I'll get up and I'll pray. And I try all I can in my mind to hand this over to the Lord. I pray the Lord may take this from my heart at this time that I may sleep. Most of the time, I'll admit, it doesn't happen all the time, I'm not perfect. Most of the time, I can roll over after that and fall asleep. 
knowing and fixing my eyes on Jesus. In the book of Psalms, the 127th Psalm, verse 2, we're told that God gives to his beloved sleep. That's his prom- That's one of his promises to us. But it's only a promise... Uh, it, It's only a promise that we can claim if we're willing to give our problems to him, if we trust in him. We must remember Jesus and fix our eyes on him. We must remember that he knows what we're going through. He's been where we're at. He's been through worse things than we can imagine. Jesus was very clear and very honest about the reality of life. In the world, you'll have tribulation. He he is telling us that life isn't, isn't going to be easy for us as Christians. But notice, he doesn't stop there. That's not the whole verse there in John 16, 33, when he says, in the world you have tribulation. He goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You and I will face difficulties, suffering, hardship, persecution for our faith in this world. But take heart. I have come overcome this world. That's, that's his promise to us. Whatever I have to face, I don't have to face it alone. He'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. Essentially, the Bible says, if you can't handle it, give it to God. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because why? He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. David wrote this, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. That's the 37th Psalm, 5 and 6. And again, the 56th Psalm, verse 3, When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Do you do that? When, um, when you're afraid, do you think about God? Do you lean on him? Do you trust him? Do you pray to the Lord God in heaven? It's hard. But if you learn to do it, to lean on God, this world will never slow you down. So how do you know if you come to this point in your faith? How do you know? Well, you know it. When you've learned to walk and live as one who's born of God. You know, there are times when I, I you know, I prepare for a lesson or a sermon or a radio program like this, and, and I get to a spot where it's like, man, I've, I've come to the edge of the castle. There doesn't seem to be any place to go. You know, I've plowed up the ground. They are, what, what's, what, what is the, the illustration? What's the point? How do I apply this? Yeah, of course, you know, when that happens, I go back to Scripture. Uh, and I look at where the, the writer is going. What is Peter's point? How does he develop it? And that's when I, I went back and I read, again, the passage in 1 Peter 2, 17 and 18. Honor uh, all people, love the brethren, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. I can tell, I think, when I've learned to lean on him and he's gained control of my life because I've given it over to him and when I can actually show respect to people who are harsh to me. 
you know there are people out there who aren't pleasant to be around. People who really get, you know, they get it to me. Maybe they get to you, I don't know. But, you know, they, they make you squirm when they're, uh, when they're around. Maybe they're mean-spirited and frustrating and hard to be near. And, and it's particularly hard when those people have authority over you in some way or another. And most folks deal with those kinds of individuals by groaning and griping and complaining all the time about how terrible those people are. They go on and on and on about it. And you know that's not a good idea. There's an old proverb that says, you become like the people you spend the most time with. You don't have to be with them physically. but you may have, All you have to do is think about them all the time. So if I spend most of my time thinking about those miserable people, who am I going to become like? I want to become just like them because they dominate my thoughts throughout the day and control me and influence how I think and act. I'm a Christian. These folks should not control me. Who should? Jesus. He should be dominating my thoughts. So if I can learn to show respect to people who are harsh to me, then I prove that I am able to trust God when I'm able to trust him with the person that irritates me the most. And I show that I fully trust by showing that irritable person respect. Jesus said it this way, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Luke 6, 27 and 28. So now let me go back to that, that original thing, when we, how we opened up. Spiritual motion sickness occurs when that which I perceive to be true is in conflict with what is actually real. I may perceive that the things of this world are unjust and unfair. And if I allow that perception to overwhelm me and bring me to my knees, then I show that I haven't yet let God take control of my life. I want to end this out with this story. The only way to control spiritual motion sickness in my life is to let God take the controls of my life. But I have to let him do it. I can't take him back every once in a while. i got to give it over to him. I like this story I read from a, another preacher once. Uh, he was talking about a funeral for a man who, who'd been a pilot. He didn't die in a pilot, uh, uh, plane accident. He just, you know, old age. But he said this in his story, quote, the man had married a lady in our congregation and began attending. When I learned that he had never made a commitment to Christ, I asked him if he would be interested in studying God's word with me. He agreed, and ultimately, I had the privilege of baptizing the man. On one of my visits to his home, he took me to his tool shed to show me his project. He was building his own plane. It was a small plane. The, the wing was under the fuselage. Uh, there were two seats, the front and the back. And I was impressed with the precision, the detail, and the constructions. He refused to cut any corners because he understood that cutting corners could cost him his life. So he built his little plane by the book. And as I visited with his wife and daughters in preparing for the funeral, his wife told me that Dave always went through his checklist before flying. He made sure everything was working properly. He didn't take any chances. He did everything by the book. His daughters told me also that when Dave would take them flying, he would allow them to take the wheel and fly the plane. 
When his daughters became comfortable with handling of the plane, he even taught them to do loops in the plane. Now, I don't think that was by the book, but anyway. And so, <clears throat> did your father really take his hands off the wheel? Because, you know, he was in the back holding on. And they said, no. A daughter was in the front seat flying the plane. Dad was always in the back with his hand on the wheel. His daughters felt as if they were flying the plane. But ultimately, their father was in control. Father was in control. There's a lot happening. A lot of things are making life a little disoriented, isn't it? Yeah, I'm up here in Cave Creek, and uh, I remember Sunday, I, I heard the rumors. I was Friends were texting me saying, hey, we're hearing that they're gonna, the riders are going to target this area and attack the homes. Man, I got four kids. I was nervous. I was scared. Talked with the neighbors. I pulled out my weapons. I was ready just in case. I prayed. But I was scared. I was nervous. I was anxious. We didn't get good sleep that night. We didn't. Turned out it was just a rumor, probably a fear attack. I don't know, but it didn't happen. Thank the Lord. It didn't happen. Disorienting. This isn't what I was expecting. I started thinking about Peter and this lesson here. We have to focus on the Lord. Tribulation can come in life. In all forms. Look look at the year 2020. Boy, it hasn't been a great year, has it? It has not been a great year. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who's in control. Always pray, abounding in the, the, the grace of the Lord. He's the only way. This this world is not our home. It's temporary. And in this world, if you're a Christian, you're going to have tribulation. So did Jesus. And look to him for our example. Well, again, I want to encourage you to go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. You can find our uh, not only this radio program there by clicking on that radio icon, but also the lessons we've been doing in Bible classes we've been doing online as well. Uh, fill your mind and your thoughts. Let them be dominated by the things of Christ. Don't If you find yourself you know, getting frustrated with people and always thinking about people who are negative or bringing you down, open up your Bible and read it. Pray to the Lord. Get your mind off those things. Otherwise, you run the danger of being just like them. Don't let that happen. Focus on the Lord. Thank you all for being here today. Be safe. Nope, just also with the COVID-19, be safe with that. Be safe with what's going on with the rise. Obey uh, those uh, your leaders and you know, uh, abide by the curfew. And don't get involved in, in these harsh things. Look to the Lord and pray to him always. Thanks again, and may you have a blessed. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.